So thanks everybody for, for coming today. Um, really excited about what we've got here today. Uh, so I'm, at, I'm Matt, I'm part of Betaworks Ventures um, and we are a, uh, a venture capital fund and we invest in the future of how people live, work and play online. And that's historically meant uh, companies like Twitter and Anchor. And we also build companies like Giphy and Bitly. Um, and one of the companies we invested in, in a, a few years ago has been mentioned was called Hug and Face. I'll talk a little bit about what was so interesting uh, about natural language understanding and why we put this together to really learn alongside of uh, the people who are, who are building this. Um, so, so in 2016, we got really excited about natural language processing and natural language understanding. Uh, we built, we, we put together this uh, investment program called BotCamp uh, around chatbots. I wrote a couple of posts. One was called Interfaces on Demand. Another was called The Hidden Home Screen about the rise of mixed reality, voice computing, chatbots. And, uh, and, and in, we also built a company at Betaworks called Poncho, and, which, was a, which was a text message service that told you about the weather. We invested in a company called Giant Otter through BotCamp, uh, which Drift acquired. We even invested in a beverage company called Dirty Lemon. And what Dirty Lemon, Dirty Lemon was, is, a, uh, is a beverage company that communicates with their customers uh, entirely via text message. We thought that was fascinating. And, and there was this company uh, that didn't even have a, uh, you know, a logo. It was just like an emoji. Uh, and they call themselves Hugging Face. And uh, they were part of BotCamp also. And, uh, and so that was, that was sort of the, the beginning of our interest in, uh, in, in, in the consumer application of natural language processing. And, you know, we view conversational software as uh, part of the evolving user interface of consumer tech. So think about kind of historically, the web became social with companies like Tumblr and Facebook and Kickstarter. Social then moved to mobile, moved to our phones. Companies like Venmo and Twitter and GroupMe and, and Bitly were all part of that, that kind of era. And then as our phones got crowded with new apps, we started at Betaworks thinking, okay, what's the next, um, what's the next interface? And one thing we started to think about was, is the next interface audio? So we spent some time uh, in the audio space and invested in a number of companies there. Is the next interface messaging? We built Giphy and thought to ourselves is inside of the text message box. And, and one of the conclusions we came to is that natural language understanding can power that whole next layer of consumer tech interfaces. And since 2016, those, uh, those algorithms have dramatically improved. Most of the use cases that we're seeing for natural, uh, natural language understanding um, are almost like for background tasks right now. So we have text generation, we have text classification, there's summary, summarization, and there's uh, information extraction. And those are kind of the, the four key categories that we've paid a lot of attention to, but it's some pretty behind the scenes stuff. So the question we started to ask was, okay, is, is natural language understanding ready for consumer use cases? So how can we answer that question? So much of technology's power is derived from the metaphors that we use. So the value of windows and folders was that we could say, here's where my games are, here's where my documents are, here's where my contracts are. I took a, uh, I made this sort of mocked up screenshot of a, you know, contracts and all these different kinds of contracts. And it became this sort of digital filing cabinet that helped us organize and 
get the most out of our emerging digital world. Once the number of files and websites grew too large though, we moved from organizing uh, what, what we had to what we were searching to find because we had so much stuff, whether it was searching on your computer, whether it was searching on Google, we had these so many virtual spaces and places and digital exhaust that our metaphors had to fundamentally change from organization to search. So searching to find is now becoming searching to understand. And right now that understanding is just really rudimentary. So we can ask Google how many ounces in a cup and it kind of understands what we're saying there, can give us the, the actual answer. It's not surfacing a web page that shows this, it's actually trying to help us understand the answer, which starts to go towards natural language understanding. Um, natural language understanding is helping us evolve from asking the question, where is the document? to asking, what does the document say? So in this example, I said, what are the, what are the terms of our NDA in Fight Club? Because I was thinking about our, our contract. So what are the terms of our NDA? And it could respond potentially, the NDA says, the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. But in order to get there, we have to be able to derive some level of meaning. And, and this is the future, but this also, I would argue, isn't the end state. If we're able to search for understanding, it means that it's possible to generate something new as a result of what we're searching for. So at that point, we won't just have autocomplete. So I'm not talking about autocomplete. We'll have autocreate. And I think those are sort of two fundamentally different things. And you know, on the generation side today, it's not just, right now we have generated patch, pattern matching. Um, we kind of make word soup out of uh, all out of all of this existing text. But if that's all we're doing, then we're just sort of finding, think about how that affects consumer apps. We're just finding 10 different ways for Alexa to tell you what time it is. It didn't wake up. Um, and, and if we think about the next generation purely as ways to make things sound more human, then that kind of inherently limits what we can build. So, you know, at best that's using pattern matching to, um, to, to sort of generate more emotional sounding things, but it's not actually, uh, it's solving an overly simplistic problem. We're telling you what time it is, but sarcastically or pithy or in a compassionate way. I think uh, if we're able to search for understanding, then it means that it's possible to generate something new as a result of what we're searching for. We'll have moved from generative pattern matching to shifting an actual paradigm. So in this example, we could ask the question, what would an NDA look like for a SaaS company based in Delaware? And it could actually generate a new piece of, of information based on all of the other things we have, right? So, so you know, that evolution, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a shift in the, in, the, in the paradigm itself. When we change how humans and computers work together to create something new. So we're starting to see the very earliest examples of that. Various examples that I'm sure we're gonna to see today are uh, implementations of things like unblocking writer's block. Um, what if we could generate, but what if we could generate new user interfaces and new user interactions? So just to kind of recap, I think we started with organizing what we have. We moved to searching to find. Now kind of in 2021, we're starting to think about how do we search to understand and ultimately how do we actually generate what it is that we're searching for? 
this is a little bit of a grainy picture, I apologize, but you know, we're just, you know, we're just inter- entering that phase of machine learning now. So arguably the biggest benefit of, of oh, we'll talk about a number of different uh, uh, platforms and technologies, but you know, GPT-3 obviously from OpenAI was, was sort of a, went viral this summer. And I'd argue that one of the biggest benefits is that it can change how people program AI, or at least one opportunity, one, one option. In order to get GPT-3 to generate text, you have to actually, um, you have to create a prompt. And so I've outlined an example here. You could, and you could argue that good prompt design could be a job of the future. But before we ask that question, we should ask whether a playground like UI, they call it the playground, is the best UI to interact with natural language models. Or is it possible the best UI is the ability to seamlessly incorporate and switch out various machine learning pipelines? So this is an example um, of, of a different uh, paradigm uh, from Hugging Face where you can, it's for developers, but you can kind of plug in and, 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 and change as the technology gets better. So to recap, you know, when we look back at the, the four different categories, text classification, information extraction, text generation and text summarization, I really put them in the context of what could new user interfaces look like. I think um, you know, to, to, to wrap up, uh, we, this always ends up with the question of, will, this, will, we be, will we be sort of iterate our way to artificial general intelligence? And I think that you could argue that if you looked at self-driving cars in 2010, you could have said, you know, by 2015, or between 2010 and 2015, you could have said that based on the project we, progress we saw between 2010 and 2015, it's inevitable the next five years will bring you know, streets full of self-driving cars. I think what we found was that um, some questions we answer with more data and some questions we have to answer by actually having step functions improvement, of improvement. So if there is a uh, trash bag in the street, the car needs to be able to tell that there's, if there's a trash bag in the street, versus if there's a ball in the street, that the ball might be followed by you know, a child running out to get it versus a trash bag, which might not. And that might be something that requires a step function improvement, or it might be something that just more data answers. And I think what we're seeing, uh, what we're seeing now is that, uh, is that with natural language understanding, models like word to vec really provided step functions into what we see today and all of the neural networks that we're seeing uh, come out around text. Um, and so that was, I would argue, a step function. I think conversely, I think with, with G, one of the things that GPT-3 showed is just having more hyperparameters might actually lead to, to significantly uh, significant improvements too. So my sense is we're not going to iterate our way into general intelligence. Um, we're going to have to invent our way there. So I'll you know, leave you this one thought, which is I'm really excited to have uh, the group of people who are presenting today. I think that one of the promises of natural language understanding is that the consumer applications that can help people not just focus on extracting value or, or attention from people, it actually allows us to better understand the world around us. And in that way, software developers, many of the people who are uh, part of this uh, event today, they'll help us understand, to help us sort of further Steve Jobs' vision of developing software that functions like a bicycle for the mind. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining. Uh, thank you to all the speakers that are coming today. Uh, I am uh, Matt Hartman on Twitter. You can text me at this number here uh, if you ever want to chat product. Uh, I think I'll, I'll share these links in the newsletter. And uh, please uh, welcome our co-curator for the day, uh, Kamantala. Thank you.